1: Come and show me the magic. Can I take you out to the picture? Well, I hope you'll come and see me in the movie. What
0: a scene of your Hollywood song. Hello, and welcome to the Beatles Films Podcast. I'm Matt Looker. I'm Ed Williamson. We're both professional film writers and Fab Four fans, and each week we discuss a different movie about, starring, or inspired by the Beatles. Uh, this week, that film is 2019's Yesterday, written by Richard Curtis, directed by Danny Boyle and starring Himesh Patel as Jack, a struggling musician who, in a freak global blackout, uh, has a back- bike accident and awakes to find that he is the only person in the world who remembers the Beatles. He then passes all their songs off as his own and almost instantly becomes an overnight sensation. Um, but Ed, is all the fame, fortune and fans in the world really where true happiness lies? Or is it found with long-term manager and childhood friend, Ellie, who always believed in him from the start? You'll just have to watch the film to find out. Or listen to us, because we're about to uh, talk about it at great length. Um, so, to start talking about the film, I uh, feel really bad because I'm going to say something up front, which is that I really, really, really loved watching this film. Really enjoyed... Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big sucker for rom-com. mm mm-hmm. um, but I feel like I'm going to spend most of this podcast picking it apart. Because yeah, it's yeah, that yeah. kind of film, right? Well, that's why we're here, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um Shall we get the, uh, the the logical flaws of the central premise out of the way <laughs> quickly?
1: Uh, can we do it quickly? No, we can't do it <laughs> quickly. A, that's, a a,
0: that's a good point. Can we do it first? And sure. try to get out of the way. Um, what is the inherent problem with this premise?
1: Well, the prim- I mean when you get away from the mechanics of how the thing actually happens in the first place, which is kind of underexplained, not that it needs to be explained fully, but it is underexplained in a way that's quite unsatisfying. the uh, The central flaw is that it invites you to consider a world without the Beatles, uh, but the world it presents you is essentially our world, exactly mm. the same as we live now. only nobody knows any Beatles songs. And I think that fundamentally misunderstands what the Beatles gave the world.
0: Yes. So uh, that's really that was not the point I thought you were going to make, but actually (laughs) it's a really interesting one because uh, because I I have that in my notes as well because um, I think that I, I what I thought you were going to say was was that the importance of the Beatles, like the 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 impact of their songs isn't just in the songs but also um the culture at the time and and the the game changing nature of those songs as they happened in that particular decade um and also um we've talked before about how it wasn't just about the songs but also in the personalities of the Beatles themselves and how uh, they themselves were part of Beatlemania it's not just um the music that they were writing at the time yeah all of that gets left out of this premise. Yeah. The, the, the premise is built on the fact that the songs themselves are so powerful mm. that it has the ability to change the world and make people stand up and, and take notice. Yeah, and,
1: and and that whoever performed those songs, the effect would have been more or less the same. Yes. is sort of what it's, what it's giving you. So, I mean, uh, there is an age-old argument about how much the Beatles influenced everything. Mm. Um, and uh, so... I I can look at this film and think Kate McKinnon's character. So Kate McKinnon plays Jack's agent. There is a scene in which she's doing yoga, mm. and would yoga be as widespread in the West if the Beatles and George, in particular, hadn't introduced Eastern philosophies to the West? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, You, it, it, that's you, you, you yeah. don't know, but it was certainly uh, they certainly played a big part in introducing that. There's a character who wears, who has a sort of uh, the character uh, Gavin, who is originally their manager, uh, and then goes on to date uh, Lily James's character for a little while. Yes, he has a sort of Beatle-ish haircut, and he wears a Fred Perry polo also shirt. He looks
0: insanely like um, Glyn Johns. I think.
1: Oh, that's a good point. I hadn't thought. Like, I feel like, yeah, I feel like yeah. was
0: that deliberate casting that they yeah. just they, they deliberately cast someone as who as a as a recording engineer tentatively yeah. a studio to who literally looked like Glenn Johns Oh, that's interesting. And I know yeah. that only now. I haven't seen Peter Jackson's get back, but like yeah. he just immediately reminded me of him.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, no, he's got so, and he wears like a, a Fred Perry polo shirt. Now, the Beatles didn't particularly wear Fred Perry's, but they did influence mod culture, which is kind of where that comes from. Wow. There are bands around uh, like Coldplay, who you m- might not necessarily say that they sound beatly or they are directly influenced by the Beatles, but they are certainly part. The lineage of guitar music that would not have existed in quite the same way yes. so I mean you, you can see these things as isolation as sort of nitpicking yeah um but that's not how I mean it what I mean is that uh, the premise of the film doesn't make the effort to think how different would this world be without the Beatles it simply removes their songs yes um and uh because I thought It'd be quite interesting just to present it as a sort of joyless world. I don't think the world yeah. would be joyless if the Beatles had never existed, but it'd be a lot worse. And it would be interesting that if Jack woke up in another world where it, where there was just sort of less less joy in general, you know, bit, a bit less peace and love, you know.
0: And it's a really interesting reason you said that. One of the things I noted down while watching this film was that um, uh, when um, Sarah Lancaster's character comes into it later. Um, and I forget the actor's name now but the, the the Russian guy the only other two people we know in the film who remember the Beatles
1: yeah Justin Edwards yeah.
0: oh yes is it? yeah Justin Edwards of course yes and when they when they meet up with um, Jack at one point her character says to him um, uh, and I'm going to this a world without the Beatles is a world that's infinitely worse yes but the film has proven that that's not the case right exactly <laughs> because it's literally the exact same world yes yes yeah, just yeah. without those songs in it yeah, yeah. so it's, it's a really weird emphasis to put on a point where the film has demonstratively proved that that's just not true at all yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah. and there's uh, I think there's and it acknowledges uh, the influence of the songs and of the Beatles as songwriters Mm. because uh, as I say the premise is that if somebody else came who was at least halfway good at singing and playing guitar came along and sung these songs to an audience who had never heard of them before that audience would go wild for them and I don't think that's necessarily true. It removes all aspects of their performance and, as you say, of their personality, so much of their impact. You think about when they went off to America for the first time and they were giving that press conference at at, yes. at, at, at the airport, you know, and it's just... And they are clowning around and and nobody's ever heard those accents before. You know, it's sort of normal... It's another thing they kind of normalised is sort of regional British accents, mm. you know. And, you know, I'm not saying... You wouldn't have newsreaders now who didn't speak in uh, RP, but again, maybe they move that along a bit. You know, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, there's yeah. All, all this stuff they introduced. I mean, it, it, to be fair, that it, it, doing this would be fundamentally impossible to, yes. to to imagine a world without the Beatles that that actually was completely devoid of all of their influence.
0: So you, you can't really. Well, I mean, I am criticizing the film for that. Yes, <laughs> but, uh, but 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 I, but I I feel like we're going to end up doing this a lot sorry, throughout this episode, which yeah. is um, uh, I liked it. I liked it. Yeah. But um, here are some other thoughts that I had throughout the throughout when I was watching this film, <laughs> yes. I, and and it and the problem is this premise, but because it doesn't explore the concepts fully enough, it does invite these. Um, Questions to pop up when you watch it, which I do think undermines uh, some uh, a person's enjoyment of the film. So mm. I, 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 I'm very much uh, I am bought into, I'm invested in the emotional story that plays out during the film. The one of, uh, you, know, uh, you know, first of all, Jack's Jack's, um, it's almost like a um, imposter syndrome, isn't it? Like mm. th- it writ large in the film as um, he's going to get found out at any moment, and the yeah. tension that that derives. Yeah. Uh, as well as the rom-com element, classic Richard Curtis rom-com stuff. Yeah. Um, but I I would be lying if I if I said that throughout the film I wasn't constantly picking up on things um, and thinking, well, that wouldn't happen or that doesn't make sense yeah. because of this premise. Yes. One of the things I'm quite um, surprised about about the film is um, he establishes. When, when, when he realises that the Beatles don't exist and then he starts to realise that some other things don't exist one of the things that he googles is Oasis yes. Oasis don't exist yeah. in this world because Beatles don't exist and obviously they're heavily influenced by them and that is actually quite a good gag Yep. Yeah, yeah. but the film also establishes that the first time that Ellie and Jack had a moment was him playing Wonderwall at a Um, talent show when he was seven Uh, yeah you're right so at that point did that moment not happen yes or did she think he wrote the song maybe that's what it was but like I feel like there there are two elements there in the film that don't naturally fit side by side and they go unexplained
1: yeah no you're right no that hadn't occurred to me at all but yeah I mean I mean, you can pick holes in the mechanics of it until the cows come home, really. I mean, there, there are... And I will. <laughs> I know. I've got,
0: I've got a huge list of them right here. I uh, look forward to it.
1: <laughs> but there, there are... Um... So also, it is revealed to you, mainly just as throwaway gags throughout the film, that there are other things that yes. no longer exist, like Coca-Cola and cigarettes. Yeah. Uh, so the cigarettes one is really interesting, because that... It, it, so if we, if you accept that premise, then the world changed in some way how long ago did Sir Walter Raleigh come back with tobacco? I don't know. Uh, my history is terrible. Yeah. Second, Second series of Blackadder, whatever <laughs> it is. <not. But, laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so whenever that was. Um, but, um, yeah, and so and also it, it, in terms of, it, I mean, if you put that aside, uh, at what point did the Beatles not happen when they otherwise would have done? Yeah. Um, so... It, it, it is established later on that uh, that John Lennon is still alive, so it's not that none of them were born necessarily. Yes, was there? A th- it was Wilton Village fate rained off, or you know, was there? A, you know, did did uh, Ringo never get in the band because he wanted to stay with Rory Storm and the Hurricane? Like who knows? Like, but it it doesn't necessarily need to explain these premises completely because I don't think uh, you know because it, this is a magic realism wish fulfillment fantasy mm. right it's the same as big or teen wolf it's the it's the same thing so there's a there's a guy who's slightly unsure of himself and he makes a w- well i mean jack doesn't particularly make a wish um mm. but um but through some pretty much unexplained uh, magic realism he gets everything he wanted he begins to question uh, his suitability for it and eventually realizes that actually he's better off with the life he had just being you know not trying to be someone else but with something like uh so big certainly it is it's not fully explained how this happens but you do at least have the thing of is it the Zoltan machine Zoltan yeah Zoltan machine um where you are at least given something that says this is what caused this thing, mm. and you don't have you don't understand it, you don't have to understand it, uh, but you are at least pointed towards something that explains the mechanics. Yes, yeah
0: Like there's a mystical force that is embodied by a contraption of some kind or some yeah. kind of uh, icon of some kind.
1: Right, right. And in Teen Wolf, you are it's ages since I've seen Teen Wolf, but you, but you are at least told that it's hereditary, right? Because your yeah, dad yeah, has yeah, it exactly, as well. Yeah, right? yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So um, but, but the, the problem with both of those examples. Is that uh the uh magic realism that happens only happens to those central characters, yes, whereas the opposite happens here mm-hmm. we are expected to buy into a premise where the entire world is the same as it is currently but without the influence of the beatles, yeah, and that's where you start able to to pick holes because the cigarettes one is a great example because like that uh, you're right actually that's 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 just something else that doesn't apparently doesn't exist um who knows what what like, a, a number of impacts that it had, would have had throughout history yeah um something like Big and Teen Wolf for example that, that is very much pertains to just that one character whereas these this is the, the, you could find any number of, uh, of of issues that arise from certain things not existing in mm. this world yeah to the extent that cigarettes is a great example because I was in my head I, I remember thinking I don't think he, he doesn't Jack doesn't at any point play Day in the Life right yep. right but at one point the lyrics of that song Paul McCartney sings um about having a smoke right okay so what happens at that point right, yeah. like, right. if he yeah, were right. to go ahead and play Day in the Life to an audience <laughs> would they just be like what's having a smoke <laughs> <laughs> right yeah, a, really a crossover of, <laughs> of of missing concepts in this premise.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell you what, there is, and so I, uh, so I, I saw it and reviewed it when it came out at the cinema, and um, hadn't seen it since. I went and uh, bought the Blu-ray, and there is a, there is an alternative ending on the Blu-ray. Oh. which flips that on its head ever so slightly, which is really interesting. So you know the bit at the end. Where he mentions Harry Potter and she says who? Yes. And then and so maybe he then decides to write
0: the Harry Potter book. I mean, how how he would then do that? And has he memorised them? I don't. know. But, but also, has he not learned anything? <laughs> right, right, <laughs> that would right, completely yeah, yeah. undermine the entire <laughs> <laughs> journey of the whole story. But yeah, yes, anyway. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: but what happens in the alternative ending is she remembers Harry Potter and he doesn't. So, what, mm. so what's happened there is it is it, not just him who mm. remembers. Cigarettes and the Beatles and Coca-Cola and everyone else has forgotten them. It is that presumably every single person in the world is now uh, the only person who remembers a certain thing. Right. So, uh, which yeah. w- which kind of flips the whole thing on its head. I mean, I, I imagine the reason they didn't go with that ending is because it... Uh, it's it, confusing. It, it <laughs> intru- well, it, it, it introduces uh, unnecessary complexity to something that is already
0: really creaking under the weight <laughs> <laughs> of the premise creaking yeah. under the weight is perfect yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I agree I, I think that um, uh, one of the uh, again one of the issues with the central premise beyond the the ways you can pick holes um, in, in the concept is that you're as we said before, you're then uh, the the film posits that the films uh, the the sorry the films the film posits that the songs themselves are strong enough to launch someone into uh superstardom mm. without all of the other sort of, you know, um cultural uh, implications that came along with the Beatles doing that in the first place. Yeah. And one of the things that really highlighted that to me was when he's in the recording studio and he plays um I think I think Kate McKinnon's character, Deborah, I think, um, is listening back to Here Comes the Sun and Jack's own song. Summer Song. Summer Song. Yeah. yeah. Right? And she basically says that first one is genius and that second one is and goes on this a huge thing about how shit it is. Yeah. Um I don't think the film has earned that there's a huge difference between those two songs. You know, like I, I feel like it's almost like they didn't, they, they haven't set Jack up as being a bad songwriter. No, and that's There's, kind of
1: crucial, actually. Yeah, because it right. would be a very different prospect if he was just really bad to start with. Exactly, and, and
0: yeah. then, there, and there was a very obvious point of differentiation between a, a "Here Comes the Sun" and a song that he's written. Yeah, I don't feel like you listen to those songs and you believe that her character is like, yeah, one of these is genius and the other one is is terrible.
1: Yeah, it it, it suggests a certain kind of stardust. With which Beatles songs are sprinkled, that there is something inherently special about all of them
0: that you can pick up on it. Yeah,
1: that, that anyone instinctively would would know. But I mean, I would say that that Stardust is. I mean, it's in the songs, of course, but it's in the performance too. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I, I, and I don't, you know, because I mean, obviously, like you know, the it, it, the interesting question that it poses is well, it doesn't particularly pose the question. It, it forces you to think about it yourself because it hasn't really <laughs> interrogated it that much, but. Yeah, if, if, if you if you and I uh, wrote, I want to hold your hand now, yes, yes. and nobody had heard it before, and we yeah. came out, would people be saying, oh, these guys are the new...
0: <laughs> I can't who, think, I think of co- anyone.
1: What's the Korean boy band called? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's who I was trying <laughs> You're to, to think of. me. I don't, that's who I was trying Oh God, it's got a number of... One in. Direction. They're co- No, shit, they're not even current, are they? <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, anyway. Would, would people be saying, this is These amazing. These guys are the new aha. <laughs> 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 would people be saying, like, this is great. These guys are geniuses. Yeah. Um, or even if we came out with Strawberry Fields and nobody had heard it before. Yeah. Um, and we played it, but just, you know, you and me, you were both sort of competent enough guitarists and, and decent enough singers. But still, like... You know, we, we would be able to deliver it with a, a decent bit of auto-tune, I'm sure. But would people say, this is the most amazing song ever, or would it actually just be relegated to, uh, you know, uh, uh, just it would be on a couple of people's Spotify playlists? It's,
0: when I say it, go completely unnoticed, right? Obviously, it would go completely unnoticed. Right? Well, yeah. go completely unnoticed. And, yeah. and I think um, the uh, the two things that uh, I'd pick up right now, uh, uh, the two examples you gave there are really interesting because I Want to Hold Your Hand... St- sticks out like a sore thumb in this film mm. as being a song that is so ridiculously innocent yeah that it that it was it it meant something um that felt right for the time when it was originally released mm. but in this day and age singing about I want to hold your hands sounds like the kind of thing that toddlers would listen to yeah it's, you know, it's, as a sentiment to express yeah it's but, quite
1: it's chaste it's, it's, it's desexual exactly but I as I understand it, the Korean boy band whose name I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is terrible. They're like the biggest band in the world right no, now. No,
0: they absolutely are, yeah. And
1: um, But they, they apparently, they have a similar thing where they're singing to teenage girl fans and it makes sense for them commercially, maybe artistically, to be fair to them, um, to, uh, for their songs not to be over-sexualised.
0: BTS. BTS.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I,
0: I figured I would say that uh, having looked it up in order to save ourselves from further embarrassment, in case for whatever reason we decided to talk about BTS a lot more in this episode, having never literally spoken about them before between me and you in any conversation. No, right, right, yeah. Well, at least but now... if we decide to turn this into a BTS podcast, then we at least know the name of about it. Yeah,
1: I mean, BTS films podcast. That's a niche. Should... Nobody's done that. <laughs> it's going to happen. Uh,
0: <laughs> um,
1: yeah, but uh, but no, I do I do know what you mean. It is. Uh, something I want to hold your hand is like quite a chaste sentiment, and it's yes. not really in keeping with the, the sexualization of modern pop music.
0: But, but also, and going to your point as well, and and I again, I, I guess I don't really know the um, the, the socio or, or sociocultural implications. Um, but what you're saying there about the types of songs uh, and sentiments expressed in BTS lyrics feels like very much pertain to a culture. Um, where there was you know an entire uh, love revolution like a cultural revolution that happened in the 60s yeah. and for anybody to be singing about I want to hold your hand in 2019
1: uh,
0: mm. implies that that almost didn't happen or to the extent um, that it did that the 60s revolution didn't happen yes yeah, yeah okay which but... which you could argue is the case right? Yeah, but yeah, also yeah. you know and, and this really stuck out in my head um, we know that childish Gambino exists in this world. Right? Yes. I mean, like, yeah, <laughs> there yeah. are elements of this uh, of this world that we know, and, and just the way the characters behave with each other. Yeah. You know, like Ellie calls out Jack for um, saying that she doesn't want to be a one night stand. Yeah. Like these are things that are you know it's not like we live in a world where 2019 is a little bit like early 60s. Yeah. Uh, because culture hasn't moved on. Yeah. It's it, it, you know it's exactly the same as it is now. Yeah. So singing about I want to hold your hand just seems a little bit too innocent to me.
1: Yeah, no, I know what you mean. And I, and I suppose also, like, it hadn't occurred to me until you said that ju- uh, just then. But I mean, so there's a scene. So I think he does All You Need Is Love at Wembley Stadium yeah. near the end. And actually, uh, it seems like the most natural thing in the world to, like, stand with a big group of people at a concert and sing along to All You Need Is Love. Like, we've mm. done it when we've seen the bootleg Beatles, you know. And, it's, um, and it seems wonderful and communal and like and it feels quite special in that moment. And actually, I wonder, without them having... Uh, I'm not saying the song All You Need Is Love is the reason that anyone can experience any kind of communal fellow feeling at all, but uh, I think it, there is certainly something that the Beatles did, mm. and other 60s artists did, but to encourage that sort of uh, peace and love m- movement, if you like... Yes. No, totally.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. of course.
1: And, and, and actually... There is a world in which Jack starts singing "All You Need Is Love" at Wembley Stadium, and everyone just thinks that's a nice song.
0: But yeah. Rather, 100%, rather than like
1: let's all sing along and hold hands and stuff. Because yeah. Because the, the idea has not been introduced to them.
0: And, and I think my point is that I watched that film, and I feel like the realistic reaction to any audience member listening to "All You Need Is Love" having having not heard having not heard that song before but having realistically heard every other song that has come out since that song's released. Yes. Right, so therefore it's not like a huge surprise that there was a song in this melody and it's you know... Right, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, there are any realistic audience member's reaction to hearing that song should be the exact same reaction they uh, give when they hear his own summer song.
1: Right, okay.
0: You know, like, yeah. because... Because it's not like you say, you know, unless you go along with this idea that all Beatles songs come with this magic sparkle dust that that means that people automatically react to them in a different way. Yeah, that's realistically just not what happens, right? You, you're yeah. you're listening to a song played on an acoustic guitar with a nice melody, and that's basically true of both of those songs. Yeah, yeah.
1: To get started,
0: visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss. One thing that I was going to talk to you about was I, I wonder if one of the reasons i like the film so much is because actually just having a film that uses good songs well mm-hmm. is always a particularly joyous experience. Yeah. You know, so like every single time, um, they he Jack launches into a new song. It's like I like this one. I'm gonna, you know, like I feel like I'm tapping my feet, clicking my fingers. yes yeah. so it's and it's always it's always used either in a um, in a really sort of joyous moment or in a um, uh, emotional moment, um, and I feel like that helps the general. Um, you know a way of being entertained by the movie that keeps things ticking along really well yeah. to the extent that I feel like there were quite a lot of songs later on where it's like, Oh my god, of course, this one! How do I forget that he hasn't even played this one yet? Right, yeah, you yeah, because yeah. there were so many to choose from,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Do you think that's true of like like comparing it to, for example, to Bohemian Rhapsody? Yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody is a good example of um, a film where I kind of probably felt the same way. I don't, I feel like that, I, I didn't necessarily feel like it was as good of film but I I like the music
1: yeah no I, I mean I agree uh, Bohemian Rhapsody objectively not a very good film but I absolutely enjoyed the shit out of it the two times I've seen it and the really nice thing is it seems to have introduced a younger generation to Queen songs which is just a wonderful group of songs that more people should hear mm. difference between that and yesterday is that Bohemian Rhapsody the versions you hear are performed by Queen right? and yes. yesterday that is not the case now Himish Patel sings these songs himself and I think plays the guitar himself. Yeah. And piano as well. And, and, yeah. And piano. And, and he is excellent at it. Like mm. he's a, he's a really, really good singer. There is a lovely tone to his voice. Yeah. Um, and, and, and like I can't, I can't praise him highly enough for what, what he does with that. However, uh, what I think is, it, it sort of harks back to the point I was making earlier is it, it removes the idea that there is anything special about the Beatles themselves and their performance. For me, uh, I think, you know, I like I like good cover versions of Beatles songs. That's always a pleasure yeah. to hear when someone has... They don't need to change it all that much necessarily, but I like it when it's done well. And even when it's just you find someone on YouTube is doing a good cover, it's nice to hear. He is doing very good covers. However... Um, I'm sort of spending the film thinking there is something missing here uh, because it is not the Beatles performing these songs. It's almost a a paradox in terms of what we were talking about because the film is trying to... uh, The film is trying to make you picture a world without the Beatles, but it doesn't try very hard because it's not... Narratively, it's it's just presenting you with the same world but with no Beatles songs. But... For the duration of the film, for me, the actual absence of those Beatles songs yeah. d-
0: does achieve that. I think I probably contradicted myself but <laughs> 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 several times over, but I do know. But, but, but this is this is inherent to the film right? yeah, because, yeah. again, you know, I'll, I'll keep going back to it. Um, really, really like the film, but oh, yeah. let's continue I... picking it apart, yeah. right? Because because um, it is that kind of film. No, yeah. let's be honest. Let's let's focus on something more positive. So. Um I said I said at the start I'm a I'm a sucker for a rom com. I, I always have been. This is very, very uh this vol- very much follows a basic rom com formula. Yeah. Um it is uh very, very typical of Richard Curtis's uh work. Mm. Don't yes. what we from him, him. There were no surprises here at all in terms of yeah. uh where the film's going. Yeah. Um but it's done but, but it's still done really well they, they, you know there are there are wonderful moments in the film that, that make, made me well up mm. um, just because of how they're played out and yeah. how they're written so when when Ellie presents Jack with a guitar mm. after he comes back like it's it's like, it's like you know, this is a thoughtful gift and the first time that you get the impression that um the, this is how deep the connection is between these two characters. That made you well up. It did. It did. Right. And, then, and then, you know, and he, and he, he, to be fair, he kind of, um, the, the, I, I sort of I go between like welling up and 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 being annoyed at myself welling up because then he <laughs> says something like, "Oh, beautiful guitar, you know, a beautiful deserves a beautiful song," or right, like right? And right, everybody yeah, yeah. did "Yesterday," yeah. but their reactions to him playing yesterday is is really played nicely because he, mm. he 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 sings it very um uh he sings it very well obviously very emotionally and they do a really good job of reacting to it like even though inherently it's ridiculous mm. but they do a really good job of reacting to it really emotionally like they're hearing some like great piece of art for the first time yes. and they are generally taken aback by it yeah that's nice and like that that made me like sort of you know like you know um Catch my breath a little bit and be like, oh, they they just they seem really like well connected in that in the, in that moment. Right? Yeah, just yeah. listening to him play a, a very good song, very nice song, um, simply on acoustic guitar. Yeah,
1: yeah. There, there is, um, I you, you know, the, the reason why it surprises me that, that that bit made you well up. Yeah. Is because like I have like a specific criticism of that scene, mm-hmm. and it is um... that you're dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday's a terrible song and I've no idea where anyone
0: likes it. It's overrated Should've should have called it Scrambled Eggs. Would've did you I <laughs> no, <just, just>, <laughs> interrupt but like there was I did read as far as a trivia that apparently when they sought Paul McCartney's um approval of uh, his use of the songs for the film, which they didn't have to do, they just they did it anyway because it felt the right like right thing to do apparently um, at one point he did suggest that they change the task of the film to scrambled eggs really? in reference to that story that he always turns out. And That's it's like, That's brilliant. And, like, part of me is like, I, I like the idea that he thinks that story is so like in the public consciousness. Well, he's told it <laughs> that enough that times. Would, but like... That would make sense. But also, yeah, he has done his job to yeah, make that yeah, work. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. I
1: mean, you can't bloody stop him telling no, like story. you <laughs> really can't, yeah. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, no, there, there is a thing uh, about that scene in particular yeah. is that... So, I mean, one of the things... One of the problems I always have with Richard Curtis is, is that his film, his characters uh, inhabit a world where everyone is rich and privileged. Yeah. Now, uh, it, this is not a sort of big class war thing or anything like that, but it does always take me out of it. So you think of uh, at, at Notting Hill, like this guy yeah. runs a bookshop and he has this massive house... Yeah, and um, and uh, you think of about time where this guy has only just left university and he's got like his first job as a as a junior uh, paralegal or whatever it is, and he's living in this enormous uh, Kensington apartment. Mm. The um, w- where this re- re- rears up in um, yesterday is uh, none of his friends are particularly well off. That is a Martin acoustic guitar. I would estimate that guitar probably cost about 700 quid, something mm, like that. Mm. And um, they've just given yeah. it to him as a gift, like it's absolutely nothing. It's, it's, a, it's a lovely gift to give. Can you imagine if you, like you gave me a 700-pound
0: Martin? I would, I would burst into tears. Why do but, you think I welled up? <laughs> but but, but, but <laughs> it, it, actually, in all honesty, in all, I think you're, you're right. But I think when she presents in that guitar, um, it is an extravagant gift to give but it's not played as one
1: like, like but, no one says I think, oh,
0: oh god how much did this cost you I'll, I'll be honest I think that's why I found that quite emotional because oh. I, I think it did or not I, I guess I don't. I think I think the reason it's a seven hundred pound guitar. I, I'm going to assume that you looked it up. I, you probably didn't, right? But I, um, I, I saw that it was a
1: Martin, and I kind of
0: estimated right. it, You know, so it's a nice for one. example, if it's seven hundred pounds, obviously that is, in theory, that should be way out of the budgets so of uh, of a um, of any kind of gift giving uh, ceremony at that point, which is predominantly otherwise played for laughs because they yeah. get the chattery teeth and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But um, I think what that moment is supposed to do is say. She has actually gone out of her way and spent a lot of money, regardless of the actual value, on a nice gift for him. And his first reaction to that is actually genuinely being stunned, and he says like, "Wow!" Like he he can't believe that that's that's what he's been given. It's not it's not that played out in the um, oh you got me a guitar that's really nice. It's it, he is taken aback by the um, by by the the gift.
1: Oh, I didn't get that particular no, really. because I would have thought that uh so anyone's reaction uh in that situation would be oh my god you've got me this this gift like you you can't afford this are you sure this is okay like you yeah know, yeah yeah there is no and I don't and like I say like I, 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 I,
0: We're going to spend half a podcast on this, like <laughs> exchange right. of two lines of dialogue. Yeah, if... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Let's go,
1: let's look up exactly how much the, <laughs> this guitar cost. Let's let's see what the, the anyway. Of... But uh, but no. But there is always a thing in in Richard Curtis films where I feel like uh, to him it is perfectly normal that someone would give someone uh, like a friend would give a friend a seven hundred pound acoustic guitar. Mm. And uh, and that's just a normal gift to give someone. These are people who... like, They're not dirt poor. They're all sort of middle class. But they are young people who don't have terribly well-paid jobs. Yes. And so for me, it it, it just takes me out of it a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Because, because I, I... I It's not that I spend my time those sort of nitpicking about, oh, this would never happen. But it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's that I realise I am in a
0: world that is not a realistic world. I genuinely don't. Uh, okay. I, in, in, but but I, I, I totally hear what you're saying. Yeah. I guess... There's a sort of fantasy part of this type of film that I'm quite happy to buy into. Mm. And I I feel like there's enough elements in that particular exchange that makes it work for me, not least of which that she is at that point acting as his manager. And uh, it feels like there's a, there's a, you know, I've always believed in you kind of sense to that his guitar got. Destroyed in the in the accident. Yep. So actually, it's a nice thing for her to replace. Um, and if I'm being completely honest, I, I see that as you spent more than he was expecting, and that's why it's a nice gift. Mm. But I haven't really thought about what the actual monetary value of that gift is and how out of their um, reasonable, like, you know, it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, but I hear what you're saying. But that is absolutely true of Richard Curtis as well, because, like, you know. Um, the 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 it's difficult to get past the um actual middle classness of any of his films uh, well, which is of sure
1: uh, yeah and, and in a sense the, you know the, it, there is a sense in which you just accept it because by yeah. the way I, I absolutely love Notting Hill. Yeah. And uh, Love Actually, you know, I, I know it's more problematic than it was when I, I first watched it. But you know, I,
0: I still always, a household favorite. Exactly. I, done, yeah.
1: know, I always I always enjoy watching it. You know, and everyone in those films is is middle class. Yes. And um, you know, there, there is a there is a world in which his films exist. But you could say the same about Ken Loach, I suppose. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. it doesn't, yeah, yeah. doesn't really uh, deviate. Uh, from you know sort of uh, from council estates and so forth you know they both occupy different spaces you know? yeah, yeah, and, that, yeah. and that's okay you
0: know? and, and, and you, you touched on Nothing Hill one of the things that I liked about um, uh, one of the things I thought of when I was watching this film was the moment when Ed Sheeran turns up in Jack's at Jack's house mm. and he's in the kitchen and they're yeah. talking and you have Jack's dad uh, Sanji Basco he's, he's brilliant in the film and yeah. um, trying to find... What is it? Like, pick lily or something that he's trying to find. Yeah. Um, um, and uh, one of the things that I do like, as much as I think Richard Curtis gets a lot of criticism for doing the same kind of thing over and over again, he is very, very good at um, liking Notting Hill, having characters in an extraordinary circumstance, like in this, in this instance and in Notting Hill where you have someone very, very famous, having to... Um, have a scene where something extremely mundane is happening oh yeah, yeah yeah and i like that i feel like it's really fun to have this like this this is a big momentous moment for like jack to very be, he's been asked to go on tour with in which also in my my head is like the, the logistics of planning for that are, are, like just like <laughs> yeah. through the roof for me but sure let's, let's just assume that a simple conversation in the kitchen can make that happen that's what's going to do yeah do it. yeah but um to have his dad wandering around and being a very typical dad and to have Ed Sheeran have to keep shifting around because he's in the rear of the wrong, wrong cupboard and all yeah, that kind yeah. of stuff I just I loved how that all played out
1: yeah it it, it actually it's interesting because I, I hadn't thought about it in the context of comparing it to Notting Hill but there is there, there's a premise in Notting Hill whereby uh, Julia Roberts what she called Anna Scott so she's mm-hmm. played, played by Julia Roberts so Anna Scott is a world famous movie star being played by world famous movie star yeah. Julia Roberts there is a sense in which those those two things are kind of eliding. Um In um, in yesterday, uh, Ed, Ed Sheeran, who is obviously enormously successful and famous, mm. doesn't actually have a lot of star quality, if you like. Yes. So, yeah, he, mean, he, yeah. so he is not a guy. He's a very unassuming guy, and good yeah. for him. You know, like he, he he. I don't think he's a guy who walks into a room. And just lights it up by his stariness, yes. you know.
0: In the same way that J. J. Roberts obviously does, of course.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So those scenes are, are being played slightly differently, I suppose. Yes. Yeah. What, what do you think of like, Ed, Ed Sheeran? I,
0: it, it? I I think that he makes for a good cameo. I feel like that cameo in this film is stretched beyond um, probably what his capabilities as an actor yes. are. Totally agree. I also think that I probably have a a a slightly a a big issue. You know what? I made a note of this while I was watching the film, and then afterwards I was wondering, is this something that the film does for laughs, and I just didn't get it at the time? So, Mm. me just know what you think. But the film positions him as the current musical messiah. Yeah. So he is the Beatles of our current times. And I don't know if it's doing that for laughs. Mm. I don't think it is. Yeah. And if it's not, that's problematic because he's just dead shooting like, I know he's, he's a gigantic pop star, obviously. Yeah. But, like, there was a moment in the film where um, after they have the song off and he plays his song and then Shaq plays Long and Winding Road and he's like, no, no, there won't be a vote. No, no, clearly you're... But he he says something like... um. I've written this down I know what you're about to say <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. can I He's quote just, can I quote you it? quote it you what, does, what does he say uh,
1: he says I was always told someone would come along who was better than me and I think I think this is probably meant to be like genuine humility yeah but, but it comes across mega arrogant but uh,
0: also were you like <laughs> what, <laughs> were you always told that right like who, exactly. who says that like, like like I get this idea that he is the best of the best of the best and yeah. that everyone recognises him as such yeah. and that to the extent that he's been forewarned that you know like you being like the the you know the, the, the biggest the best songwriter of all time yeah. which is what he's positioned as in this movie yeah. that there would be someone who will come along and eventually take your crown yeah. yeah that doesn't that's just ridiculous right
1: yeah it doesn't it doesn't quite know what to do with him because yeah.
0: I, I, I'm not sure
1: uh, I think I think he's perfectly okay but it, but yeah there are scenes where there's a bit uh, quite late on where his phone rings and he's got one of his own songs as his ringtone <laughs> oh, I didn't see I didn't know it would pick up, up think, on that that's I think hilarious. it's uh, I don't know I think it's Shape of You um, right. and that's it, and he answers it it's sort of when the Wembley when Stadium like near the end and um, and he answers it and just gets on with the phone call but I think you are supposed to think that is a joke about uh, this version of Ed Sheeran is an egotistical... Yeah. So a bit like in extras where everyone is playing a uh, a heightened egotistical yes. version of their own selves and sending themselves up. And it, it you, you're never quite sure with Ed Sheeran in this. It's like, are you... It, it, is this a different... Uh, you know, ego-driven version of Venture. Is he sending himself up as being this big ego-driven monster? If yes. so, it, it's not doing it enough. Yes, and but I wonder
0: if that is that the film's fault, or if that is the case, is that the film's fault, or is that his fault? Um, in terms of, oh, sorry, that's a bad way of putting it, isn't it? But like, is it him? Him not necessarily yeah. having the and chops to send himself up in that way yeah. as an egotistical musician? Um, I think there's enough pointers in the film to indicate that that's what it it is trying to do yes. like just the very idea that backstage after a gig he would suddenly declare a song war <laughs> yeah. right is is in itself hilarious but i don't yeah. i don't get the i don't get that i should be laughing at that point i get right. that it's done quite sincerely
1: yeah 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 and i i think i just uh i think if it was really really trying to if you're trying to do that then you make it a. Very very consistent joke all the way through. Like everything that character says is is like I'm uh, I'm not self aware and I'm uh, I think I'm I think I'm the most amazing thing in the world. I have yeah. no uh, no self awareness about the whole thing and it doesn't do that. Um, and I th- I think in fairness to him, it's probably mainly the script. Yeah, r- yeah, r- him. Yeah, like yeah, I don't, no, I think, I I think, I don't right. think he's amazing at it, but I mean, yeah, if, if you're. Yeah, you you either go, you know, you go big or go home on, on a joke like that. Right? Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly, yeah. exactly right. Yeah, it needs to be overplayed in order for it to land. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't sure. think it does. So, um, Ed Sheeran aside, Ed Sheeran aside, yeah, um, we should talk about the other big cameo in the film, John Lennon. Yeah, what what do you think of? He, uh, John Lennon's introduction in the film uh, as a cameo, and the, and the performance by Robert Carlyle as him.
1: Is that Robert Carlyle? do you, you not know it's Robert? Oh no. yes,
0: he <laughs> goes uncredited actually oh, in does the film. He? Yes, he does. Yeah, but, and it's is has got prosthetics and oh, stuff on wow. but Yeah, it's him. I, I think he does a brilliant job of it. Oh wow, I had no idea. Oh, you're going have to rewatch it again. I now. am. Yeah, because yeah.
1: that actually changes the way I think about it a little bit. Um, I, I I found that scene yeah. really quite moving. Did you? Yeah, uh, and like I remember in the cinema, like I, I, I was sort of welling up a bit because I remember in in the cinema, it was a surprise. Mm. I I hadn't telegraphed where it was going. Mm. I suppose maybe there was a bit when he was sort of driving there, I might have kind of figured it out a bit.
0: Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I remember I had it spoiled by the time I would got around to seeing the film. Oh really? But on the okay. first time, yeah. So I knew it was coming. So, but that is a shame because I think I don't think it's obvious that that could come up so i can see that's been a massive like u-turn in the in the movie that it yeah. was a nice surprise to people
1: yeah definitely and i think there's such um it's such a lovely idea that uh that hadn't occurred to me you know up, up until all that point that you know like i say the, the mechanics are not very uh, clear um but at that, at that point of the film, when I saw it for the first time, I hadn't really considered the idea that this is a world where the Beatles are all just living as four different people if they're still yeah. alive, you know. Yeah. And of course that mean, you know that means that uh, John and George might might still be alive, and or um,
0: well, George might still be alive because there are no cigarettes. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. sorry to go down that route, but you know who knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably
1: live till a hundred. Yeah, cuz exactly, yeah, yeah. Just meditating and eating vegetarian food is <laughs> <You're> absolutely fine.
0: <laughs>
1: anyway, but, sorry. Well. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I I think, and also like Jack's reaction, saying like, "Wow, you're still alive and you're okay. Have you had a good life?" Yeah. And it's actually, I I found that really really lovely. The idea, because you know, when, when you're a big fan, you, you you think of the Beatles as people, not just musicians, and you think of them as friends almost. And I I really like the idea that there was this other world where sort of John was, oh Jesus, No, <laughs> sorry, really? Is it, you now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, they, I really like the idea that there was this other world where uh, where John was just still alive and he just yeah. had a happy a happy life. You know, there, there's another. Because uh, there there are sort of other alternative depictions. Did you ever read that Wikipedia? But someone had like mocked up a Wikipedia page that was like John Lennon survived a shoot uh, an assassination attempt in 1980, and this is what he's done since. No, like. no, no. And so you know the picture is him, one of those pictures where they've aged him a bit. You know, right? Yeah, sure. And it said you know the and the Beatles sort of reformed in the 80s and did some sort of weird experimental stuff, and then they sort of carried on recorded together every now and again, and then like because Sean Lennon was really in. So that sort of New York alternative scene and he sort of, and so John sort of collaborated with uh, Fugazi and the oh, Wu Tang right. clan and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, I thought yeah. well, this this is a nice reimagining of it, you know. Yeah. Um, but just the idea that this guy had found like some
0: some <laughs>
1: some inner peace yeah uh, this guy who was quite troubled uh, throughout his life uh, and just, he was just living
0: living by but the isn't river it really funny because, because yeah. I think that I, if I'm honest the first time I watched it I was I was unsure about that scene to honestly yeah, yeah I think there's a part of me that wondered if it felt a bit gimmicky yeah, yeah. Um, and also whether or not um, I, and I, I think I, I wonder about this Anytime something like this comes up where you're, you're um, potentially uh, portraying a character uh, of someone who's uh, real life, it, who existed in real life and putting words in their mouths about how they might feel in a certain situation, mm. whether or not that's pretty, potentially bad taste. Yeah. But um, that's how I felt the first time round. I was just a bit unsure about it. I think second time round, I can see more clearly... Um, how that's a much more vital scene because mm. it's the entire crux of the movie yeah. right is um is is Jack realizing th- this is the point at which Jack realizes that actually the the, the fame uh stuff is, isn't as important to him as actually how he can find a piece with you know like presumably like a woman he loves right yeah um and it's and the fact that it is John Lennon that gives him that and that rings true mm. because he survives because he didn't have that fame, mm. right? That was that was you know that he was assassinated because he was famous. So yeah. like you know yeah. for him not having had the fame and that leading to him having in a in some kind of inner peace and stuff. Yeah, totally rings true with the entire like you know crux of the of, of the film. Um, and I like that. I think it, I think it comes across really well. And I think Robert Carlyle's portrayal of him being quite this um, composed and calm, still sensitive. Yeah. Uh, person, I, I, there's still a little part of me that wonders whether or not that sort of glosses over um, some of the the hardships and and um, struggles that John Lennon. Based, yeah, you know, no, but but yeah. in the in the spirit of the film, like you know, we, we shouldn't be picking apart absolutely everything as as we're inclined to do, <laughs> as I'm inclined to do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm quite happy to go along with it, and I, and I think it, I think yeah, in on a, on a second viewing, I, I'm totally bought into that moment. I think it's a quite a beautiful moment in the film. Um, for 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 Jack to have as every character needs to in this time of movie a turning point a point at which he realises what he needs to do next yeah in order to, to, to resolve and be happy
1: yeah 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 I suppose it's like it's like in every Rocky film when his wife has a word with him right you know? <laughs> <It's just laughs> like, exactly like that <laughs> like just, yes John Lennon is Adrian Adrian Barbeau um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, uh, it's exactly like that yeah but but I mean but that's not uncommon as a narrative thing in lots of films right you need uh, a, a turning point can be when uh, it, 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 a character turns up and they don't have much function other than to yes. oh, yeah, totally, the, yeah the protagonist to
0: sort of move in a different direction. There's, I'm sure there's, you know, if you look up, like, TV tropes or whatever it is, um, there, there would be a name for it. It's, it's like the wise mentor, like, um, uh, role, right, where you, right. that person is literally there just to... to um correct course course correct the um the protagonist, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. to get them to where they need to go yeah, yeah um but it's 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 a nice it's nice that it was John I mean, in, in a world yeah. war, in, in a, you know that it's just it's in in some way it's very sort of quite perfectly poetic that um that that was written in so i I give the film a lot of credit for yeah for that yeah I do yeah I think it's quite lovely and actually like uh, it, it, I suppose
1: it occurs to me it's like could have equally had George. Uh, uh, performing that role as a character, but mm. the difference being that uh, uh, George probably would have slammed the door in his face. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <yeah>. like <laughs> he's turning up on his doorstep, bothering him, he wasn't so yeah. keen on. But it, but actually, I mean, there's a broader point in that about, about what you were saying there is that um, yeah. So I mean, the John Lennon we're imagining here, who was never in the Beatles, or you know, the Beatles didn't take off, or, mm. or whatever, whatever that, it is, yeah, whatever that alternative reality is. Um, is a guy who was a very angry young man. He was a teenager, yes. you know. His you know his uh, dad had left him, and his mother had died, and he had a lot of issues to resolve. And I'm not sure he ever really did resolve those issues, no. but certainly in those periods when he did seem more at ease with himself, uh, were after he had met Yoko. Yes. Which I'm not sure whether. So the film says like, the, the I was in love with a woman, but she died. Right? Is that what? It mm, is?
0: Um, I don't think it says she died, but no. I think it. it, it... He says something about having found the love of his life, or something like that, and yeah. the film very specific. I think very consciously doesn't um, call out Yoko. Yeah, um, yeah, but but which also makes sense because I guess you're then uh, you you're based, you're you're introducing this idea that John Lennon has found the love of his life, yeah. but in reality, the only reason he found Yoko, if you consider her to be the love of his life, is through the Beatles. Right. So like, yeah. so yeah. I think it, it's very deliberately keeps that very ambiguous. Right,
1: right, yeah. Japanese conceptual artists weren't sort of turning up in uh, yeah. in factories in Liverpool and sort of in, <laughs> yes, exactly, in, in, yeah. in the late 60s and, yeah. uh, and getting off with them
0: anyway. But and, and again, like and and I know this is this goes against everything we just said about how great that that scene is or that moment is or how well written it is. But I think I do think that the uh, the scene is a really good example of how a very very simple premise um ends up becoming uh something that you're invited to question because the film then brings in nuance mm. so the idea that you have these two other characters that um remember the beatles why like what happened what what was that what happened there like why why are they there the fact that John Lennon exists in this world, like why, what was the turning point? What, what is exactly the moment Like, you're, you're, it's almost like, um, the film is creating these elements that help pay off on the initial premises, but in doing so just ends up prodding you to ask some questions about it, which yeah. sort of take you out at the moment a little bit. And I, th- I, you know, going back to the original point about, I really like the film, but I, I can't help, but pick it apart. Mm. The film does that, and it feels like it's—it's it's almost like it does it, um, despite knowing that it's going to end up having that effect on an audience.
1: Yeah, uh, and I think, uh, yeah, I think because it's the, the the premise is quite flimsy, yeah, right, <laughs> in general. Yeah. Like, I think I think that's fair to say. Now, there are plenty of films with flimsy premises, but they they do enough to sort of they'll build in little building blocks. That, that just reassure you along the way
0: mm.
1: that and you don't even notice it happening necessarily but you, you are reaching a point where you accept this premise and, you, and you're not thinking about it. You just accept what's going on. Mm. Um, it, yesterday doesn't do that. You know, it, it, it leaves you with these questions unanswered and it's like, you know, and you can think, well, am I a pedant for considering these? Shouldn't I just go along with the thing? But it's not, it's not my fault it's theirs yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it is it, it is the fact that they haven't they haven't built in enough stuff to reassure me that what's going on makes sense and it's like and I, I don't know I don't I don't know where to draw the line with that I don't think the whole global blackout thing needs explaining completely
0: no I don't think but, it does either no that's okay but you
1: need more than it gives you
0: yes I think so but because it in because it ends up in, again to the point I was making before it, because I feel like it invites elements into the Premise that oh uh, that require more exploration yeah and then doesn't do that yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. so it does leave you hanging in some respects and it feels like you you know you, not that I need a, a nice bow wrapped on it or anything mm-hmm. but it does feel like you, you you know as as a film you've introduced these things that I am now left wondering uh, how the film can can possibly uh, include these elements without explaining any of it. Yeah, yeah you know whereas I'd be I would have been quite happy to be like Beatles don't exist what happens boom and that's it yeah but yeah. but you know you, you've thrown um a live Lennon at me now so now I've got <laughs> now I have questions right yeah right <laughs> suspending exactly. my belief for one thing I can't suspend my belief suspend my um this uh, belief for one thing and lots of other little things along the way because that's too much suspension yeah you're right
1: and and I think also it, it does suffer a bit from that Lennon uh, moment onwards because it is in a big hurry to finish. Yes. After that, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it wants to race towards the finish line, yeah. almost as if it's like, right, we've done the big John Lennon bit. Uh, let's uh, let's get this wrapped up in ten minutes, then we'll go to the pub, yeah. right? So, um, and
0: one of my favorite things about that is, is that um, when they do the big, like climactic, you know, big um, uh, stadium show at the end, like, <laughs> like, so, it, so it ends obviously with, with Jack asking Ed Sheeran for a favour, yeah. Um, he comes on stage, he um, uh, uh, he's about to give um, like his big heartwarming speech to Ellie where he basically comes out to the entire audience to say, "I stole his songs from a band that you don't realize existed or whatever it is and then talks about how much he loves Ellie. But favorite thing about that is first of all, before he does that, Plays like five or six songs. <laughs> because, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was at, because he's at a Stadium, he's at Wembley, right? He's like, Well, yeah, well, I'm here now. Right? I know I've got saying I need to do, but let me just do a quick montage of some of the, the rest of the Beatles' greatest hits that I haven't played so far. Well, I
1: right? uh, like sleeping with a girlfriend just before you break up with her. Yes, that, <exactly. laughs> yeah. Which I like, never
0: it's like <laughs> but it's just like, oh, it's like the film realizes, oh, we haven't played all you need is love yet, and like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. and Richard Curtis is like, well, I already had that in love actually, so I need to include it in him as well. Mm. Um, and then, uh, but my favorite part of that is that obviously then he, um, uh, expresses his love for Ellie while she's on the camera. And it's, a, it's, a, it's a classic rom com Richard Curtis kind of moment where it's all played out for everyone yeah. to see and all that kind of stuff, yeah. But my favorite thing is that, uh, her then boyfriend, the, the, Glyn Jones lookalike Gavin, yeah. Gavin, yeah thank you. Is is just smiling to himself, being like, "Yeah, yeah, caught yeah. it from the start." Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I had a good, absolutely one. fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. yeah, had a good innings. Yeah, and, always. Yeah, off you go. And and and, Best the, luck with you. and
1: there's another girl standing literally right behind him. Yes, who's like, hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. and then and then in the maybe it's the Obla de and the school hall scene in yes, the epilogue. They are, and they're now together. They're now together. Because because yeah, that, perfectly well done. That is the thing with, uh, like I say, it is. Is racing towards the finish line, it wants to finish as soon as it possibly can, so everything has to be tied up very neatly. So there can't be any conflict about the fact that uh, Gavin's having his girlfriend taken away from him exactly. Gavin, by the way, is a really good guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not like there's been any, and you know, generally in rom coms, uh, someone starts off with an unsuitable partner, you know, Mm. so it happens. sleeps in seattle with meg ryan's character it happens in uh you've got male again with meg ryan's character she starts out with these unsuitable men and because of their characteristics you know them to be unsuitable and therefore they're going to be replaced at some point yeah um gavin none of that lovely guy and there's no reason for him to he's treated really badly you know (laughs) you know basically another man comes up and says i'm going to go out with your girlfriend and he says yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and, yeah. and that's it. But yeah, yeah, and everything has to be tied up. But I think also that there is a wider thing uh, about how, like how women are generally valued in Richard Curtis stories, which yeah. is not very much. So they, they don't generally have that much agency. Essentially what happens is that, I mean, his male leads are always uh, sort of uh, fairly uh, diffident, uh, not very self-confident guys. And the women uh, are just expected and do quite happily just to wait around until they get their act together and ask them out. Yes, and realise what that's right. Yes,
0: are. Uh, yes. Richard Curtis will will argue that that's not what happened in this film because uh, Lily James found Gavin, right? Yes. Yeah, but only after twenty years or whatever it is of, yeah, yeah, yeah. of waiting around, and only after um, Jack became like a, a, a big. Pop star, um, stateside. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, definitely get your point. My my uh, my other thing as well, by the way, I um, really struck me when I watched this was at the very end of the film, uh, having confessed that um, he's stolen all his songs from uh, a band that no one remembers, Um, he then, um, I guess, uh, makes good. On all of his lies, by releasing all of his songs for free on the internet, mm-hmm. and my first thought was, "So what's that? Like Spotify? Like what is what's for free in this day and age? Like in two thousand and nineteen? Like yeah. like if if Harry Styles? No, no wait. If, if our if our favorite K-pop band BTS yeah, I love them. released <laughs> yeah. their new album yeah. for free, ought to be up like, to be downloaded from the internet? Yeah." Everyone's still just going to listen to them on Spotify, right? Like no one listens to files on their computer, right? That's not a way that people consume music these days. There isn't a way that you can just release your music for free and for it to um, be taken that way as a, as a as a as a reasonable way for you to then enjoy that music. Oh,
1: I don't know. I'm sure there is. Maybe just that we're old men and we don't know it. Like, do you reckon? I mean, like, because because like, we're recording this on the day when Apple. Uh, officially discontinued the iPod you know 21 years after its release did do that you know? today yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, I missed that and um, they, finger on the pulse um, yeah sure so, uh, 21 years <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure they um, and and that was maybe the last thing where I downloaded files and put them on a device and then took the device with me and if yeah. I wanted more on it I plugged it into my yes. laptop and, and put more files on it you know yeah and uh, so I suppose, like what Jack is doing there, is um, I don't know. Maybe in this uh, alternative reality, uh, the iPod would have a, a longer shelf life. Well, let's not go down that route, right? Because <laughs> we have,
0: there is no stopping that line of thought. Right? <laughs> no, right. And it, and also,
1: there would have been no contract dispute between Apple uh, Apple Records and uh, and
0: uh, the makers of the iMac. <laughs> so oh, it's all connected. Gone too, we've gone too far. It's all connected. I know. There's. We were going to build this up like an MCU-style uh, cinematic universe, <laughs> um, but but I I still I I feel like I want to argue this point a bit more, right? All because right. if um, uh, who's an artist you listen to regularly now? Well, obviously Paul McCartney, right? Not sure. If Paul McCartney released his new album just to download from his website for free, yeah. How would you then? How would you then go about consuming that art, that album?
1: Yeah, good point. So I would. Uh, probably download the files to my phone. Mm. By which point, and then I would have to get into like another
0: app. And that's I have, the thing. I have right? to open we live another in a where but, none of but the But two thousand and nineteen is. is the same age now, right? We're, like it's is twenty twenty two, right? Yeah. It's the same thing. We are living in an age of convenience. That yeah, right? yeah, yeah. no, none of us could ever be bothered to individually click play on song track files. No, you're right. Rather than. Like, someone having the nails to actually put them on on Spotify, whatever streaming platform stories you want to listen to, sure. and then listen to it that way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that... So, so the, this, the idea that in 2019, this story gets resolved in in the same way that, like, films in the 80s used to do this, where it's like, <laughs> I'm just going to, like, you know, defy the man and release this and upload this all to the internet for free. Yeah. That doesn't exist these days. I saw. I, I just don't think it exists these days. I'm sorry. I just we don't, You know, it's not. That's just not how we consume music anymore. We we, we subscribe to a thing for five pounds a month and we listen yeah. to that and only that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it. It. I mean, at the risk of of getting too far into no, it. no, fine, carry on. We have uh, got another half hour to go in this podcast, <laughs> I reckon. Perhaps w- would not somebody, given the popularity of these songs as established, would not somebody download them. Put them all onto like a massive YouTube playlist, uh, and uh, you know, with just like the lyrics.
0: In comic songs, and, one thousand uh, percent they will do that. Yeah. Would you listen to this? You know, Paul McCartney's new album on YouTube? No, it's a pain in the There's adverts exactly on it for Expedia and stuff like that. Exactly. Bothered with it. Yeah. So what, what would actually happen is that there would be some kind of contractual deal where some record company would actually get <laughs> publishing rights for this song and put it on a streaming platform anyway, and make money from it. Right. Okay. You know, yeah, so that's it... And that's my point. I feel like there's no like that, that hasn't actually done the job that I think he thinks it has done, other than just do himself out loads of money no you're Which right
1: a, 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 a 2010s alan klein would come along and ruin it. yes exactly absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right last question for you yeah. unless you had anything else um, um last question um good selection of songs in the film are there any that you feel like uh or missed any sort of big beatles numbers that were conspicuous by their absence i will by the way say that um if the beatles didn't exist then post beatles stuff didn't exist. I'm surprised that Jack didn't try to to jump on imagine as a song that he could have passed off as his own yeah, that's or interesting live and yeah. let die and you know yeah um, yeah, yeah you know all about all of that stuff all about you know it' gone whatever ringo did like that's true as well it? It, it could have jumped on all of that um but obviously, if we just stuck to the beatles um. You know, presumably, at no point he would he would have tried to tackle Revolution Number Nine. <laughs> that
1: would have been great. Yeah. He had done that as his first single, right? <laughs> yeah, <exactly.
0: laughs> but also there are other songs as well, like. Can you imagine? Can you imagine like what would a modern audience's reaction be if uh, he came out with I Am the Walrus? Right, like that's uh, like yeah. that's very particularly of its time. Yeah, um, and wouldn't necessarily have a that's yeah that's true. an extra leap.
1: And also, and also a lot of their songs that are quite pastiche-y like sort of when I'm 64 yes. or something like that. Oh, completely, like, yeah. Completely. Which is one of the post-it notes on his wall.
0: Yeah.
1: And so we presume that he recorded it because I, I guess the premise is he's uploaded them, so he has recorded every Beatles song. But yes, in, in a sense, he's robbed the world of wings, right? You know, because yeah, he has, like, yeah, 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 because yeah, yeah, he's not, he's not done like you know uh, silly love songs or, or whatever, yeah, because you know, he's it, taken
0: it one hand, but very much. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah oh. 100 absolutely yeah all of it frog chorus where's that I know oh god but, and, and, but also but you're right about the pastiche as well because uh, at no point in Moscow is anybody wondering why is this guy doing a Beach Boys pastiche yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> 60 years after it was relevant right and why <laughs> is he thing
1: about the USSR which yes. has yes. not existed since the end of the Cold War yeah. right exactly uh, Uh, And this this guy was probably born after the Cold War ended. It doesn't make any sense, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Maybe we've strayed off that point. We have. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, uh, No, I know what you mean. But but actually, like one of the interesting things is that it it, because it raises the question because it's a fantasy scenario, right? Mm. And uh, like a lot of Richard Curtis films. It, a fantasy scenario of like wouldn't it be great it, wouldn't it be amazing to have sex with a famous film star wouldn't it be amazing yeah. to have a time machine where I could go back in time and trick women into having sex with me
0: Yeah, uh, all this kind wouldn't of stuff wouldn't it be famous if I could trick people into believing I was a rock star so I could have sex with people as well, right maybe. exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. there's um, definitely a common theme to a lot of this yeah
1: but it's a fantasy scenario in which you because I did find myself thinking uh as a, a lots of Beatles fans are kind of purists, right? Yeah, I d- I don't really like to imagine uh, when people get into conversations about like, oh, if you split the White Album down into one album, what would you mm. do? Or like, which songs would you remove from al- albums? And the answer is none, because mm. I I don't. It, it, well, I don't think every single Beatles song it's is amazing. It's the Beatles
0: bloody White Album shout out. To exactly. Them, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I I I I cannot imagine wanting to think of their career as anything other than what it was. Yeah. And um, and so I think you know as soon as they start talking about um, this album, and f- fair enough, it is a good joke where they start saying Abbey Road. Why do you want that as a as an album? Yeah, uh, album name Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. You know, doesn't make any sense, and and th- and that makes complete sense. But also, you're then getting into the territory of well, I'm not, uh, I'm not delivering these songs. You know, should should he should his first album have been Please Please Me?
0: Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And, and actually, would that so have you done... followed the trajectory of, of the actual? Yeah. Career?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or do, or does he? And also, like as you say, like rather than recording, uh, "Don't pass me by," um, <laughs> yeah. w- why not do uh, "All things must pass"? You know. Yeah. Like, and sort of bring you. You you'd probably get a bit greedy, you know. And I sort of imagine myself in that situation. What would I do? Um, because, like I say, it's a, it, it's a fancy thing, and. and uh, but it's it's a tangent, but I feel we've had enough tangents already. So I okay. one more one. But hurt. Um, yeah, go on. What but, would you do? <laughs> <laughs> but but it's but it's also a, a fancy that has existed before. So do you remember Goodnight Sweetheart with Nicholas Nenchin? I
0: was you know what, I nearly mentioned that earlier. <laughs> yes of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of
1: yeah. course, yeah. So someone
0: has th- already someone this song. so um, if the if if yesterday exists in the world where the Beatles doesn't exist but Goodnight Sweetheart exists. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> is everyone just being like, why is this guy playing a bunch of songs from this old Nicholas Lynnhurst's sitcom? <laughs> I don't, I don't,
1: but how far down the rabbit hole are we? I know, I know. Does, does only Fools and Horses exist?
0: <laughs> so many layers. <laughs> Um, right are we done have we covered everything (laughs) I I feel like there's no topping that is it I think we're done Um, cool okay I hope everyone enjoyed that thank you so much for listening to us as always you can catch us on uh, the usual social medias uh, normally at Beatles Film Pod Um, look us up where you can and otherwise we will um, see you next week for the next episode
1: thanks for listening bye see you then Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style
0: for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum.